Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nicol. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of Dropping In. I'm your host, Mercedes Nicol. A little background on me I live in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. I have competed in four Winter Olympic Games for Team Canada in snowboard halfpipe. But I'm not just only an Olympian. I'm a friend, a daughter, a sister, a snowboarder, a host, a coach. I am an Olympian, an athlete, adventurer, a public speaker, an artist, a writer, a cook. Well, I mean, I like to cook, so that makes you a cook, right? (laughs) All right, why did I start dropping in? There's a lot to be said about the art of storytelling, and I've had the opportunity to share my stories. I've also heard a lot of great stories from others. Dropping In is a podcast created for listeners who are looking to laugh, learn, and grow along the way. I'll be dropping in, interviewing guests, discovering their stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and possibly learning from their mistakes. In episode one, I'll be dropping in myself, sharing my Olympic journeys, and in this episode, you'll realize that there are a lot of ups and downs in life. I consider life to be quite the roller coaster, so I hope you enjoy the first episode of Dropping In with me, myself, Mercedes. 20 years of my life were spent on a snowboard. At one point, I didn't know if I would ever walk, let alone snowboard again. This seems drastic, doesn't it? Let me explain. I was a halfpipe competitor. You may have seen it on TV, but to give you a better idea of the dimensions, let me tell you how big a halfpipe is. It's two 22-foot walls, over 500 feet long. That's longer than a football field. And the halfpipe is on an 18-degree pitch. So what I would do when I competed was go up the walls doing tricks and spins above those 22-foot walls the whole way down while being judged by a panel at the bottom of the halfpipe out of a score of 100. That's me, 5'2", Mercedes Nickel, up against two 22-foot walls, dropping in full speed. Now, I want to transport you back to 2014 at the top of the Winter Olympic halfpipe in Russia. The conditions of the halfpipe were not great, and I'm being nice. The guys competed the day before us, and I'd never seen that many professional snowboarders crash in almost two years' competition combined. So, here we are. It's the last five minutes before practice, before my third Winter Olympics in Russia. I'm dropping in at full speed, going to do a backside 900, which is two full rotations. But as I reached the top of the wall, something was wrong. The snow was too soft, 
and as I initiated my rotation, the snow gave way. I'm now in the air knowing I won't get my full two rotations around and was now falling backwards over two stories into the half pipe. Now this part happened fast. I hit the snow hard, smashing my right hip, then dragging the right side of my face on the snow. I was in la-la land. How did I get to this moment in my life? Time to rewind. Growing up, I always marched to the beat of my own drum while trying every sport possible. Coming from a highly athletic family with a passion for winter sports, by the age of three, I was skiing and figure skating. My family relocated to Toronto in 1986, and figure skating was brought into my life in a big way. But in 1995, my family moved back to the West Coast, Whistler to be specific, and I had skied all of Whistler and all of Blackcomb, and I thought it was time for a new change, so I tried out snowboarding. This is where it all happened. Skating and skiing gave way to snowboarding. In 96, I ditched my skates and picked up my snowboard for good. A year later, I was competing locally in Whistler, and local competitions led me to Junior Nationals and Junior Worlds, where I picked up both titles in halfpipe and snowboard cross. At the age of 16, I won my first big check. I didn't want to rely on my parents for funding my snowboarding, so I paid them back and was looking for personal sponsors. Competing in snowboarding is not always an easy road. Dealing with injuries, travel, I had to keep up with schoolwork, stress, thinking about funding, but I had found something that I loved to do, and that was snowboarding and competing. I made the national team at a young age, qualifying for World Cups. I was traveling the world for competitions while still trying to fit in high school. I can honestly say I never dreamed of going to the Olympics, but in 2001, I was at a World Cup in Chile with so many people trying to qualify for the 2002 Salt Lake Winter Games that I had a moment of realization. If I wanted to compete against the best, I had to go to the Olympics. So my sights were set on a new path and a new goal. I know snowboarding isn't all about the Olympics. There are invitational competitions like X Games. There's World Cups. There are World Championships. And so much more happen almost every season. And I was taking part in them. I didn't just fall into the Olympics. I moved my life to California. I worked my butt off to get results that I needed to qualify. Now, when you qualify for an Olympics, there's only a maximum of four spots for women for Team Canada in halfpipe. It's a complicated process, and we can get into that in another episode. But it's never easy to qualify for an Olympics. January 2006, I had qualified for my first Winter Olympics. And most athletes would be over the moon. But I was freaking out. I called my sports psych, Karen McNeil, and said to her, I'm not ready. I don't think I should be going. I don't have all the tricks I need to go to these games. And luckily, she was on the other line and brought me back to reality and said I was ready and instilled some much lacking confidence back in me. A lot happened at the 2006 Winter Olympics. 
I was hopeful to make it to the finals. In my first qualifiers run, I placed ninth, and they took the top six to the finals. I was so close. I had one more run to go, and it was all or nothing. Seriously, though, my first run was washed away. I had to perform in my second run, or it was game over. My second run, I dropped in full speed. On my third trick in the halfpipe, I fell, and my games were over. I knew as soon as I'd fallen, I wasn't just angry, but I wanted redemption. Redemption that was four years away. I was devastated and pissed off when I got back to the Olympic Village. Then I bumped into Marnie McBean. She's one of the most decorated Olympians in Canada. And what did I do? I burst into tears. I told Marnie I'd fallen on such an easy trick and my games were over. I remember this like it was yesterday. Marnie said to me, what are you going to do at the next games? Simple, yet a very effective sentence. She believed in me, and I knew I wanted to go again. But four years? On the road to the 2010 Winter Olympics, I almost switched to Team Great Britain a couple of times. I was butting heads with Canada Snowboard, and my parents were both British, so it's totally possible to change. But then I found out the 2010 games were going to be in Canada. And being very naive at my first games in 2006, I learned that the host country walks in last at the opening ceremonies. Seriously, I knew nothing about the Olympics in 2006, and I was competing at them. But I knew having the games in my own backyard, it was time to stick with Team Canada, persevere through all the ups and downs, and try to qualify again. Lacking the funding that the guys on the halfpipe team had, I literally couch surfed my way to the 2010 games. Super glamorous, I know. But when you're looking for redemption from 2006, couches and floors are fine. I did end up qualifying for the 2010 games, this time as the underdog. I was not the top Canadian woman. But I had some fire in my belly from 2006. On our last day of practice, in the halfpipe at the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics. It was perfect. I ended up learning a new trick, and I now had a brand new run that I would be doing in these games. It was a long day. I made it through qualifiers, semifinals, and I was the lone Canadian to make it into finals at the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympic Games. I had two runs in finals, I landed the first one, putting me into sixth place. On my second run, I crashed again. On my easiest trick, same as 2006. You think I would have learned something by now. But this time, I wasn't pissed. I finished sixth at the Olympics. I proved them wrong. They thought I was the underdog, and I placed top Canadian in halfpipe at those games. I just finished my competition, and then I bumped into Marnie McBean. She knew I placed sixth, and she said, how do you think you'll do at the next games? I was just like, are you another four years? Are you kidding me? I took that, and I went, and then I bumped into Paralympian Rick Hansen, and he looked at me and said, well, okay, you got sixth here. How do you think you could do at the next games? 
and I thought to myself, is this just something that they say to all Olympians when they, once they've finished competing? Anyways, I took that advice and I decided after 2010 that I would take it one competition at a time. If I still loved competing, I would keep going. Well, that led me to 2014, the Sochi Winter Olympics. And this is where I left you on hold earlier, where I just dropped in to do the 900, and instead of landing back in the half pipe, I smashed myself looking like a pretzel. At this moment, after my face had stopped dragging on the bottom of the half pipe, I was telling myself, maybe more so yelling at myself in my head, to get up, get up. Practice is almost over and you need to see if you can snowboard. And I did. I got up. Adrenaline does amazing things. I was going to compete. If you've ever learned anything about me yet, it's that I'm stubborn and goal oriented <laughs> Now, I have a TED Talk about how hard it was for me to get back up and compete. It goes into the details. But long story short, it was painful and difficult and probably stupid. I didn't do well at those games, and I don't know or care how I placed. All I know is that if I did make it through to semifinals at those games, I would not have been able to compete. I don't even think I would have been able to walk. Later that night, on crutches, I went to the nightclub, as one does. As soon as I heard the music and saw the lights, I vomited. And no, I hadn't had too much to drink. It dawned on me that I did have a black eye coming in. And maybe I really did hit my head, my head harder than I thought. My hip had taken most of the impact and that was killing me. I honestly right now I'm getting ghost pains in my hip as I talk about that. But I had hit my head hard enough that I had cheek imprints on the inside of my goggles. So the next day, I owned up to it and told the doctor I thought I had a concussion. That concussion is what changed my life. For two years, I wasn't myself. I'd lost my sparkle. My brother thought I was a total bitch. I was confused, depressed, emotional, an all-around mess of a human. I had just gone from an elite athlete to not being able to walk, talk, or even write my own name. I had doctors telling me to retire. I had counselors telling me I was old. It took me two years, 14 different doctors and support people to rejig my nervous system back to athlete form. It was a roller coaster, a battle with myself to be patient and believe in myself. Two years after the crash, I drove myself from Whistler to Calgary about four, a 14-hour drive to see if my competitive career in snowboarding was over or if I was able to get Halfpipe back in my life and find out if I still loved it. I tell you, muscle memory is something. I was able to slowly progress enough in the Halfpipe in two weeks that I was going to go to my first World Cup in over two years. Now, two years away from anything, you'll find that things have changed. There were girls on tour that I didn't know, new faces. Here I was, 32 years old, competing against 17-year-olds. I was there because I needed redemption. I wasn't going to end my career on a trick that I loved, 
taking me out. I was going to get that backside 900 back and landed. Flash ahead two more years of the World Cup circuit, me competing, I was top Canadian trying to qualify for my fourth Winter Olympics. I was back, but I hadn't landed the backside 900 yet. 2018 Winter Olympics were cold. They were very cold. At those games, I went in with no plan. I was the girl from 2006, scared and unconfident. Out of some amazing luck, my old sports psych was there, Karen McNeil, and she took the time we sat down and made a plan. In those plans, I would be landing the 900 in my last practice run before qualifiers. For these Olympics, our practice before competition seemed to be very long. All the girls went outside and I stayed in. Now 34 years old, it killed me not to be out there, but I had to stick to the plan. Three runs in practice was all I needed, not the 10 that I could have done. I had experience, so I waited. I went out and in my third practice run on my second hit, I came around two full times and landed that freaking 900 for the first time in four years. I was over the moon. My parents were at the bottom. I had the biggest smile on my face. Things could not have been better. Other than one minor detail, I still had to compete. (laughs) I went back up to the top of the half pipe, this time with confidence that I would land the 900 again. And I did. I didn't get the score that I wanted, but I landed it. One more run to qualify for the next round. And this run was better. I landed the 900 for the third time. My score came, and it was worse than my first run. I was pissed. I just went from the happiest moment to this bitter, upset person. Life is this roller coaster. What can I say? One moment you're up, and the next moment you're down. And it can happen in an instant. My takeaway from those, my last Winter Olympics as a competitor is, no, I didn't win a gold medal, but I did have a gold medal moment. I reflected, and that's what I went there for. I overcame my fears, and I walked away. Maybe not with a smile on my face that day, but for me, those were my favorite Olympics. And when I reflect back on 20 years of competing, I dropped in, And I'm proud of myself. Sometimes good things fall apart so better things can fall together. A quote by Marilyn Monroe that I find fitting right now. My takeaways from this story is that patience and planning are both key. Asking for help is hard but necessary. Don't forget to keep positive people in your life. Believe in yourself and take the time to reflect so that you too can share your stories to help others. Or you can just help make them laugh. I am a four-time Winter Olympian and I look forward to hearing and sharing stories with you on my podcast, Dropping In. On my next episode, I'll be dropping in with a trailblazer in snowboarding, Kimmy Fasani.
Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.